0: Hello, and welcome to episode number 97 of the Milestone Pursuit podcast. The podcast that brings you workouts, it brings you recovery rambles where I run easy around the lovely Epping Forest, talking about something that's on my mind. And the podcast that brings you conversations with some elite marathon runners as part of our scheme to invest in those underfunded British elite marathoners that are out there and doing ever so well competing at the moment and today it is Saturday, it's the 12th of March and we're just jogging through the forest now but we've got a conversation with Tish Jones and Tish is now involved as part of that scheme to invest in those underfunded British elite marathon runners but We're also really excited to welcome Tish to the coaching team. So Tish will be joining us as a strength and conditioning coach using her background as a PT and she'll be joining us as a running coach and today's conversation talks a little bit about her credentials in both of those spaces, why she might be a useful person to have as a coach. She's certainly a useful person to have on the team. So I'm really excited about that. She's looking forward to getting stuck in. And I'm also really excited about this because it puts her really nicely into our team alongside Ewan, Mandy, and myself. Trying to support people as they go about their running goals. As they pursue their milestones. You can check out the latest newsletter for a little bit more on all of this published last week. If you're not getting your copy, make sure you sign up via the website to receive your, your copy. And that newsletter also features a piece by Nicola Curtis on her recent fastest 10k in 12 years at the Dewsbury 10k. So you can read all about that as well. You can also read all about the state of British Marathon running and with an update from the Seville Marathon, which we've spoken about on here. But the latest news on that one is the selection of Charlotte and Josh for the World Championships in Eugene, Oregon in the summer, alongside Jess Piasecki, Rose Harvey, and Chris Thompson. And we're really pleased for both Josh and Charlotte fully deserve their selections, not just because of the times that they've run and getting inside the qualifying by some margin, in Charlotte's case, but also because of the consistency over time and the resilience shown by them both through the pandemic and various other things, including Charlotte's non-selection for the Olympics. So coming back, getting herself re-established into the team is brilliant, and Josh with that amazing run in Seville, bang on time to get himself a selection. Really pleased for them both, and it brings us nicely full circle actually, back around to Tish because the last time there was a World Athletics Championships in Doha, Qatar, in 2019, the autumn of 2019, Tish was selected for those games but sadly never made the start line due to injury which started a period of sustained injury that has shaped who she is today and that is something we're going to talk about in our conversation that you're going to hear very soon. And so I'm going to hand on now to the next voice that you'll hear which is me in my spare room talking to Tish in Cape Town over a Zoom call. And just to bear in mind that we've done all the chit-chat, we've had a little natter to each other, caught up, worked out some things that we're gonna try and talk about. We then go massively off topic once we get into the conversation, but that's all right. That's what life's like, isn't it? But because we got through all that small talk chat early on, We're going to get pretty much straight into it. So as I say, the next voice you'll hear is me. Not running, sitting still. I hope you enjoy this. And hopefully you'll get a sense of what you might expect from Tish. Okay. And welcome to Tish, Tish Jones, who has recently joined the Master Pursuit team as a strength and conditioning coach, but also a running coach. This session today, or this um, conversation today, is an, an introduction to Tish. So we've obviously been speaking beforehand, and she's got lots of interesting things to say, but we're going to get into that shortly. Tish is in Cape Town, and we are at the mercy of Cape Town's broadband capability, stroke energy capability, as much as we are the Essex Capability for both, so it could get a bit sketchy from time to time. But we'll hopefully it'll be fine. Tish is an elite marathoner, but that isn't a particularly well-known fact these days, on the basis that Tish hasn't been able to run that much in recent times because of injury. So Tish, explain a little bit more about your background in the sport, where you've come from, and where you are now.
1: Cool. Okay, so I haven't—I haven't always been a runner. I certainly didn't run when I was younger and run at school. I started maybe ten years ago kind of more seriously running. But prior to that, I was a personal trainer or am a personal trainer and um, by trade. I have some military experience as well. and um, physical activity or exercise has always been part of my life. I've always been active and out, outside and doing things. Um, and I think my passions lie within anatomy and physiology, strength and conditioning, coming from a gym background, um, I have dabbled a little bit in some kind of body sculpting um. so I find it I just find I've got a passion in that um the musculoskeletal system in general how things work why they work um, how you can make things stronger how you can be more robust and when it comes to running um I think it's an area that a lot of people can can make some changes on and some progress in but there's very little confidence out there as most runners it's easy to run and perhaps it isn't of interest to be inside a gym um, and sure I, I totally understand that I love being outside but the gym work that I that I enjoy and I get benefits from I think there is something to gain from that as well and if you do it right I think you'll start to enjoy that also and enjoy noticing gains strength um, gains inside the gym but when it comes to running you will notice those gains as well so that's kind of where my passions are, and seeing people progress and getting getting them stronger, really. And it's something that you have to be passionate about. If you if you're not, then you won't do your job very well. And
0: I was very good at my job. Yeah, oh, well, we still are very good at your job. So, I mean, that's one of the key things I talk about a lot is you know, pa- passion for your job <laughs> is important because you're more likely to enjoy it, and you're there. If you enjoy it, you're more likely to to do it well. But let's talk about your running yeah. a little bit. So. Your credentials as an SNC coach are strong, and we can talk about that a little bit later. But let's talk about your running. So, I suppose the pivotal thing, really, to, that sort of sits in the middle of your running career is that you were selected for Great Britain for the 2019 World Championship Marathon in Doha, off the back of a 2:31 marathon at London in the April of 2019. So the last London Marathon that took place in the spring. Seems like a lifetime ago in lots of ways to lots of people. But for you, it does feel like particularly like a lifetime ago, I guess. Yeah. But you never made the start line in Doha. Yeah, you were in yeah. Doha, weren't you? But you never actually made the start line, Um, unfortunately, no. through, through injury. And then you've raced once since then. But the reality yeah, yeah. is you were a two, and you still are, a 231 marathoner. So talk to us how you got to that stage, how you got to be competing or selected to compete for Great Britain
1: it's a it wasn't I guess not a conventional marathon block and unfortunately I've never been in a position where I felt like I've got one of those under my belt Um as much as I would like to have a 12-week block and everyone would love that without injury it's very hard to come by there's always something that pops up but I've just had fairly bad experiences with my injuries and they've taken me out for maybe 4 weeks at a time minimum so so yeah building up to 2019 what it, it wasn't i didn't have any i went into that race without any real idea of what pace i could run and i think the pressure was off me like emotionally i didn't feel stressed about the race i didn't go into the race thinking i must run a 231 i went into the race thinking i made it to Another London, this is amazing. There's no pressure, just go out, see how you feel, run conservatively initially, which I always do, but the training build up to that. And the training build up to everything that I do is based around, definitely around some strength sessions, a lot of stuff on the bike and cross training. Although I hasten to add to that, that I definitely did too much bike at points in my running career. It is something that can make you a stronger runner as well. If you use that tool more effectively, because running is key, load is is key and leg conditioning is super important. Um, And if you don't have those things, then perhaps the latter stages of the marathon won't be your friend. It's not a friendly part of the marathon anyway, but to give yourself the best opportunities there the leg conditioning is really important. Um, But a cross-training background for me is, I guess because I was an, an older athlete, I didn't have the miles in my legs from a young age. So my body wasn't particularly good at high mileage. So I had to create an environment and facilitate that some other way. So strength training's always been in my kind of in my blood. I love it. And I enjoy the gym. That's why it's easier for me to do that sort of stuff and having confidence in that area helps, but also enjoying riding people. Not everyone likes riding bikes, you know, and, and mm. cross training is hard because you don't want to, to get on a cross trainer or swim. But they're important things to offload the body as well. And, and it helps to, I don't know, like just allow yourself a little bit more quality running, perhaps if your legs feel tired, a, a swim in the pause, you know, you can work on breathing instead. And that's, I find that's really helpful. Um, so yeah, the, the build up to London 2019, was, the result was fairly unexpected for me. Well, definitely unexpected for me that one of the best moments in my running career for sure It was being at london as well really that made it that made it special um and being selected was just the cherry on the, the top of the cake yeah
0: because that was in a day 2019 where the super shoes weren't really around and uh the qualifying time for the worlds was 231 dead wasn't it and that's what you ran 231 to the second um so you didn't actually know at any point in the race yes, that you were on I did for did time that, that well Yeah.
1: Yeah. Not not a 231 dead, no. No, not at all. The smile on my face all the way around was real. And I I loved that race, just every part of it. And the time at the end was just I was can't do you can't do that again, really.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Hit the the nail on the head. No, hit the nail on the head. Um,
1: but I do tend to have a way about pacing. I'm quite like a metronome. So for previously I did qualify. I got the qualifying standard for one of the Commonwealth games by making sure I knew what pace I needed to run to get that time. And I just looked at my watch every kilometer and made sure that I could get the pace. And I I was underneath the 2.34 by about four seconds. So I am quite kind of metronome-like when it comes to running, um, which is great for marathon um, until something happens and you can't control that pace any longer, which is what happened in the last marathon I ran.
0: The, the London
1: Elite yes, and, in 2020. Yeah. And, and actually you did mention like the super shoes, carbon plate shoes and things. And I uh, I love running in my Adidas Adios and have done for many years. And it's a big change for me. And because I still think my leg conditioning is not where perhaps other athletes is. And because I've been injured, I don't have, I don't have that leg conditioning. Having a harder plate shoe as well has more of an impact on my muscles. So it's, it's kind of a catch-22. You need mm. to wear them, but you need the leg conditioning plus the conditioning for the shoe. That's a lot of load. So like at the moment, it has to be so, so progressive and so conservative. Um, it, sometimes it's excruciating how slow it can be, but I know it's worth it. And I know that if I lined up and I wasn't in a carbon plate shoe and everyone else was, I wouldn't have any advantage there. Part of me does want to run just in my normal shoes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that's like, because I know I can.
0: Yeah, I think that's how a lot of us feel. Actually, is that we we'd like to still be able to run in the the older non carbon plated shoes. So partly because of the physical impact, like you've described, but also partly because you sort of want the shoes not to be the thing that gets you the time. But the reality is, if you want to compete, you have to. So for you 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 have to when you get to the day where you're going to run a marathon again you're going to have to aren't you to be able to get give yourself the best possible chance
1: yeah and i i totally i I totally agree with what you're saying and 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 that always goes through my head like i i never I never want there to, for someone to have an advantage over someone else in that sense. I like everyone to have the an even playing field and most most people want that as well, but these the shoes are we're moving with the times that's what's happening now so unfortunately uh the adios will have to be my training shoes still and even i mean you need to be training in carbon plate shoes to get your leg conditioning with them as well but yeah i miss them i i just want to go be running those (laughs)
0: yeah i must admit i I stocked up recently on um on, on adios when they were starting to run out of the nines or tens i think it was i can't remember what the numbers are now but i bought a few extra pairs that was just sitting in my cupboard waiting for me to be able to use them because they're, they're just good shoes they're comfy on they? i mean i ran comrades oh, in a it. pair and it's just they're just <sighs> nice they're just nice comfy are... light, fast just good shoes
1: but yeah you could just you've got that um proprioception of the you just feel the ground and i, I kind of yeah. like that it's not i'm not saying i like running barefoot it's it's just feeling that attraction underneath you and I don't know. There's something about it, and when I put on a bigger shoes, I just don't. I don't feel that connection anymore. I just feel very. It's very hard impact Yeah. That's what I feel.
0: Yeah. But let's not talk too much about shoes because that's not what it's all about. Let's let's not digress, and that's what will happen with our conversation because they always do. We always go off in different directions. That is the, that is the that's Tish fine. way. But anyway, that, that's um,
1: part of my background as well. I've worked in a lot of running shops and
0: yeah true true little
1: bit of biomechanics and
0: stuff like that yeah it's all part of it and that and actually on the shoes there's something that i think is really interesting that people don't always consider when they're talking about it is the impact in training of using them because recovery if you are conditioned can be quicker so you can get back into another hard session more quickly so the training impact of wearing the shoes can be quite pronounced and that's not something that people always talk about but anyway we'll we'll come back to that another day so you, you sort of mentioned before that you didn't follow the traditional path as an elite athlete going up to the marathon as in you didn't do lots of short distance stuff when you're younger lots of junior races doing 815s 15s 3000 on the track up to ten thousand, then into the marathon like lots of people do that wasn't your your path you want to talk a little bit about what your path was
1: yeah it's it's like a massive squiggly line of backwards <laughs> and forwards and doing it and that. Um, I, I just didn't really, I didn't really run. I was always kind of sporty, rode horses for the majority of my childhood. Moved into basketball and I, like I, I used to do more invasion sports and stuff like that. And I like that team ethic and I am a team player, but now I'm a team player in an individual sport. So
0: yeah,
1: I'm always wanting to like encourage everyone around me. And not many, I don't think that's the vibe really, but, um, but yeah, I, uh, like, I guess I've got more of a, I'm more of a trail running background. Yeah.
0: yeah you did one so well in cross country as well, didn't my, you?
1: Yeah. So that's, so the only st- sort of shorter stuff that I did, it was still in my mid twenties um, or mid to late twenties was with Belgrave in the cross country seasons Uh, and I did some stuff on the track as well with them but the reason I got into club running really was because my 10k times were getting better and I was doing that off the back of my own training It, it wasn't structured I didn't have a coach I was just working in a gym as a personal trainer I would run a few times a week for fitness and for running clubs from the gym and and we done a local 10ks quite a lot and my time I was invited to do a 10,000 meter race and I didn't know what to do with that because I'd never raced on the track. All I knew was it was a long way to go on track and I need some help. Mm. Unfortunately, for me in Belgrave, I had a lot of experienced help and they were more than happy to help with that goal. Um, and although I only raced 5,000 in the end, because it was the year that there was zero girls, it was me and Ali Dixon, I think were the only two girls that actually ended up registering for the 10,000 and,
0: and that was the British, that British Championships. Yes. Yeah. Before the yeah, night the 10,000-metre PBs took that event on. Yes. Yeah, that's right. Yeah,
1: yeah. And the 10,000, they were going to – basically, they kind of cancelled the women's 10,000 that year because everyone pulled out except for myself and Ali, and we were given the option. We were supposed to run on the Friday evening. We were given the option on the Thursday to run with the guys in their hmm. race, the 10,000 or to run on the Sunday in the 5,000 with a competitive field of 5,000-meter athletes. And my coach at the time, Will, um, he, he, well, he, he made the right decision for me or helped me make the right decision, as in I'd, I would be lost on the track of the 10,000 with the guys because I got to experience a competitive field over 5,000 and I could then move on to 10,000 at some other stage. And when there was a race I could run, actually run with people. So yeah, that was kind of the start really. And then I ran for Belgrave over short distance across cross country, Surrey league, and some of the nationals and it was fun. As much as cross country, is fun. Yeah, cross country.
0: <laughs> Everyone's got a love-hate relationship with cross country. We sort of love it, uh, but we sort of hate it. And we sort of hate it from about the start line <laughs> until, <laughs> until you can see the finish line. Afterwards is great.
1: Yeah, afterwards is always great. Reminiscing, um, but yeah, I I enjoyed it. But I I've never really been like a spike person. I don't I don't like wearing spikes, and and I I used to run trail, but I'd run in normal trail shoes. But I'd still race it, even if it was like a fun run. I just that's the way I go. My mentality is, and that's just how I used to run. But that was like my training. I I didn't realize I was training myself, but that's kind of how I train myself. Mm. I just ran everything. I'd enter a race every weekend. I was a weekend warrior. And I would just run so hard and I'd, I'd want to win, even though everyone was kind of there for just the fun. <laughs> but that was fun to me. Running hard, trying to win was my fun. And yeah, it just, it helped. But um, I was probably more, clearly more robust then. I, I wasn't overtraining. Um, but yeah, since then I've, I've been more sensible and taken a step back for everything.
0: But it's got a bit that's, more serious, I guess, yeah, isn't that's it? My with, with become becoming a faster marathoner, qualifying for international vests, it it does get more serious, doesn't it? You have to take it a bit more seriously.
1: Yeah, and and that comes with having experienced help and having people that know how to structure things and help you on your on your way, and then you start to realise that actually there is a method and it's tried and tested over years and it's not everyone's method everyone changes things because we're all individuals but you follow a certain type of structure and you start to get into your kind of tuesday thursday sessions sunday long run and and it's something that i never had before and i didn't know these things i just was like what so you do a tuesday night and then a yeah yeah and you just you just get you get into that little family of Belgrave and, and other, and obviously other, other clubs have the same, you're just under their umbrella and you feel safe and you feel like you're doing the right things and you are, and you can tweak them because that's what you might need if you're racing or whatever. But yeah, it's, that's what excelled me to a different level is having help like that. And I am eternally grateful for that. They've always supported me and been like a little family. So And I honestly wouldn't have known how to approach that 10,000 meter race.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Or indeed some of the other races that followed that, I guess. You're going to, each time you're going out there, you're getting a bit of help, a bit of assistance from lots of different people helping you develop. And that's a bit like what life's like, isn't it? We all take in different bits from different places that help us grow and and take on our own own perspectives and help our own direction and hope our own progress.
1: Yeah. Unfortunately, Going down wrong routes and and making wrong decisions and getting injured is part of that as well. Mm. And I feel like I'm equipped with a lot of knowledge now because I've had many injuries.
0: <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, I was, I was going to say, see, for someone who's passionate about physiology, biomechanics, and the way <laughs> things work, I mean, there's two things really, isn't there? There's one. How do you get so injured? First question. But the second, which I, which I know the answer to, which is you pushed yourself too hard often, particularly actually, as you said earlier, but on the bike, doing too much long stuff on the bike has not helped you. I don't based on this conversation we had before we can talk about that before again in a minute sorry but also you've learned a lot haven't you through the course of several different and difficult injuries yeah. in the last few years which puts you in a good position to learn and develop for yourself but also for others
1: yeah definitely to pass some information on and to help if I can prevent other people from making the same errors and um, it's not because I uh, the injuries I've had have been more bone-related uh, consistently. I very seldom have other injuries. So I don't feel like I'm doing everything wrong. I think when it comes to being in the gym and actually training, I know how to structure things and I know what works for me and how to progress. But the, with bone injuries and sort of energy deficit and reds which has been highlighted a lot more now and it, it wasn't when I and and I still do suffer with this area um but I've worked on it a lot and I, I'm doing absolutely everything I can and I, I know that and I won't I won't have it if I'm like I, I will tell myself i must do everything I can mm-hmm. and but to a certain degree my bones need to catch up with things and that takes a bit of time and the injuries have for a course of time it's not only one incident that happens because i've done this exercise it's an accumulation of everything so using energy for gym for cycling for swimming for running for everything and not being able to keep up with that energy output over a course of time inevitably it will have an impact somewhere and that's what's happened in my case numerous times and unfortunately with the bike as much as i enjoy it and i like riding for a long time and it is beneficial the aerobic system and as an endurance athlete to be out there for a couple of hours and offloading your legs in, in a different way it seems like a great idea but I think what people forget is that the energy consumption is massive and it's very difficult to put that amount of energy back in and so for people that are already on that kind of knife edge of make sure you get enough in because you're putting out a lot if you're not thinking about that hard enough over a course of a longer period of time, you're in for a, a nasty surprise somewhere. Yeah. So I would just encourage to pe- people to just kind of think, yeah, cross training great, but the energy consumption is still there. It doesn't yeah. matter what you're doing.
0: Yeah.
1: And it's your your brain knows it's under pressure, so that those bones are still doing what they do. If you're running, if you're cycling, if you're swimming. Yeah so it's a, it's a big subject.
0: It is a big subject and the interesting thing there is it's not about overdoing things on the bike and getting a bit of a stiff back or getting a sore sore glutes or a bit of a dodgy hip it's actually a longer term impact of the energy that is required for you that you're you're expending not matching that with your intake over a period of time so your body mm-hmm. doesn't recover properly and your in particular your, your bones so they weaken over a period of time rather than strengthen and then eventually things happen right they crack
1: and 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 the reason one of the reasons that, that runners might ride is to offload the body yeah but if you do if you do have perhaps have a slightly lower bone density you do have to remember that load is necessary for bone to maintain strength yeah certainly as older athletes well older, as athletes, older and athletes and female as athletes. we get older yeah it's just it's something that we need to be more mindful about um as perhaps oestrogen levels get lower and i'm not an expert in this area at all it's just based on my own kind of thoughts and knowledge and help that i've received um but having load is is super important that's why like doctors might encourage um women who are postmenopausal to to jog because yeah. they want to maintain not all the time because it might not be helpful for some people to jog but and i'm I'm just speaking generally the impact is beneficial and on the bike you're not loading at all you're offloading the bones mm. so mm. um it's just something to be mindful about like people who ride all the time professional cyclists they might get told by a coach to go out and have a jog because they need to be careful of making sure their bones are strong as well as this musculoskeletal system
0: yeah i think that's dead right and i think it's really interesting i mean i Coach some post-menopausal runners, and they uh, one of the things I do with them is I encourage them to hop, which they find hilarious because you know the, the concept of an older lady running around a park and hopping is like weird, right? And people look at you like you're a bit mental. Um, and I hop too. And and I and I know that. And I know that people look at you and go, what on earth is he doing? You're hopping. What well, I mean, that's a kid's thing to do, isn't it? But it's about building strength. Happy. Yeah, well, it's it's also f- carefree, absolutely. But it's also about building strength and power through through your musculoskeletal system, for example. Yeah. And that, that's yeah. one exercise that I like to encourage people to do because I think it is going to help them build strength.
1: Skipping, if you if you don't feel happy just hopping randomly, could skip. Use the skipping
0: rope. Yeah, yeah. Just
1: single leg.
0: Yeah, good. So you're in this position now where you've been suffering a few injuries. So where, where actually is your running right now? Where are you?
1: Um, I'm in a happy place. Uh, I'm running a few times a week, and that's been super progressive. And just I'm so, I'm so cautious and sensible. No one really needs to tell me to be sensible anymore. It's it's a given. So I'll only increase things by kind of 10 percent overall per per seven day period and and it's nice i'm running kind of eight kilometers and that's that's a good achievement for me given that i had a femoral stress reaction in december november yeah and it's a it's a big thing it's a big uh, weight-bearing bone so Mm. it scared me and so to be able to be running now is it's taken a long time but it's partly because i've been so worried that i don't want to i don't want to hurt myself again
0: mm-hmm.
1: so yeah i've just been really sensible dialed back a lot of things and focused on increasing weight for a start um being in a positive energy balance all the time as far as i can help that and i'm actively making sure that happens and it's something that you forget if you start running and you get back into after an injury, you get back running again you you People do fall into the same patterns and I'm one of them is training is key. Then training is priority. And as soon as you can train, you feel strong again, you feel like a runner and you're doing the mileage training is key. No one, no one then prioritizes recovery, mm. eating, etc., cetera, et cetera. So just mindful that I'm trying to stay balanced. But yeah, wow. but I do that by, Putting different distractions in my life <laughs> to do different
0: things yeah so there was a period of time and interest if you go if you go back that balance word is really important there's a period of time where you didn't have that balance and I'm going to throw that at you but it is so December in November December you had the femoral re- reaction prior to that you were trying to run the Olympic trial marathon in the spring of last year but I had to pull out of yeah. that just beforehand as well because you weren't fit enough to do it and we had Conversations out at that time of going what risks are you going to take to try and get an Olympic qualifying time in in the race at Kew Gardens? And prior to that, you ran you ran the London Elite race in 2020. So the great famous COVID race where you ran laps of St. James's Park in the pissing cold rain and it was miserable at five o'clock in the morning, no spectators and all this sort of stuff. <laughs> why on earth was everyone doing that who
1: wouldn't want to run that no and, and many
0: people dropped out but you finished in 236 much to your credit but and that's the first race and the only race you've done since you didn't make the start line at Doha so which was 2019 so there's been quite a difficult period of time for you where it hasn't always been balanced has it you've pushed yourself a bit too hard oh. at times not sure when to start when to carry on
1: Stephen, it hasn't been balanced since <laughs> for many years, so I'm doing the right things now. Yeah, which is um, great. But it's taken a lot because I've, for many years, I've just been all about training, and I still am. I love it. It's it's what I'm the most passionate about doing. But I think with passion about doing something and trying to achieve certain goals the part of the discipline of that is making sure you tick all the other boxes. And it's just taken a a significant amount of time for me to do that. And and I'm not making excuses. I think I I did come to running quite late in my life. I was already established. My personality was established as a love training, love beast to myself, love gym, love everything, do everything. It was already there. And it was quite difficult for coaches then at the time to rein me in. And to change my lifestyle. And it's taken a while because that's my personality. I'm quite, I'm not, I don't want to say addictive. I'm not even obsessed, just passionate. That's just it. I well, want to say obsessed, but it doesn't sound like a nice word to use.
0: No, uh, well, yeah, labels is an interesting topic, I think. And that's one I'm going to do a podcast yeah. on soon is about how damaging labels can be. But you, you are active. And any conversation I've ever had with you is I really want to do stuff. I spend my time doing stuff. Mm. I hate sitting down. I hate relaxing. Although to to recover, sometimes you meditate, don't you? So that's one of your tactics for slowing yourself down is to kind of make it an activity <laughs> rather than something that, yeah. that you don't watch telly. You don't sit and read books. You know, you're not someone who relaxes easily.
1: Yeah, no, I'm not. I don't relax easily. As in, I don't sit. I can't lounge. Yeah. But my my type of relaxation is different like it's going and getting a coffee somewhere that I enjoy the environment I like going and I don't know socializing a little bit with people that are like-minded and other things like recently picking up sports massage is one of the most relaxing things and it sounds ridiculous but I find I find it really therapeutic and I feel like I'm helping people but at the same time just going through this motion of trying to relax someone else you become relaxed yourself Mm. um and although I enjoy being quite on it all the time and being active, the things that I do, like the hobbies that I have, I find that makes me happy. So to me, a happy tish is a relaxed tish. And when I'm anxious and nervous about stuff and worried, that's not that's not a relaxed tish at all. Mm.
0: And those are the moments I when you're likely to, relax to over-
1: in that state of mind.
0: Yeah, so. and then you'll overtrain because yeah. you're you're not relaxing, so you're not recovering, and then you're not. And you're you're trying to find ways to keep yourself happy and training is one of those. Yeah,
1: definitely. The whole relaxation part is key. Instead of thinking about being relaxed, you have to think about the central nervous system. And instead of being fight or flight all the time in that sympathetic nervous system, in order to adapt and recover, you need to transition and facilitate parasympathetic nervous system. And if you don't do that, you're never going to optimize recovery. And so you're never going to optimize performance. And it's very difficult to know. Like people might relax, but they're not relaxed. That's what I mean. I can't sit down. It makes me anxious. Mm. So I know that I'm not facilitating that nervous system. So I do things I know that I'm relaxed doing. And sure, if you're up and about and bouncing around, you're never going to be in a parasympathetic nervous system. But massage and stuff like that, like that to me is relaxing. So that's my, and obviously sleep sleep is another big area and that's something that people can optimize and make sure that they get enough recovery enough sleep good heart rate variability so that their training is optimized amazing that's
0: a lot of information there was a lot of information we're gonna have to have another Sorry. that's all right Now we're gonna have to have another one of these one day talking in the, about these things in depth That yeah um, cause, cause it's these, so these, interesting all, it is yeah and these are all areas that the amateur runner, the recreational runner, the normal runner, whatever you want to describe most of us as, that doesn't appreciate. You know, it is we go out and hit a session. We sort of know now to do recovery sessions much slower than we do the hard sessions and to make sure sleep is optimised. Nutrition is sort of important. We don't really understand the ins and outs of it. We certainly don't understand how it works for us individually at a kind of deeper level. We sort of know what works for us individually, but that we don't know the science behind it but these are all fascinating areas that I think Mm. we could all learn a lot more about, but you, for you, you've really have learned a lot about yourself through the time where you've suffered these injuries, haven't you?
1: Yeah. You, to a degree, you don't really, you don't have a choice. Certainly not for someone like me, because I don't give up. You live and learn and it's heartbreaking a lot of times, but there's nothing that I, that I haven't learned that I've regret, you know, and I, obviously I would have liked to have not been injured, but, I know a lot more about my body and its requirements and perhaps what I've done wrong through those injuries. And hopefully there's, you know, there's still time that I can put the mileage in and, and get some good time. I I would really like to run faster. And I know that I'm capable of that. I just, I needed to be knowledgeable enough to facilitate everything correctly. And I just wasn't doing that. I was hope I was always on the back foot. And that's just how those years planned out because there was always something I wanted to achieve a championships. I needed to qualify for here. I had to be there. And I just, I was adamant that I would be there because it meant so much to me, but you don't really realize at the time that you're, you know, you're consistently on the back foot and eventually you'll just get a string of injuries yeah. like, like yeah. I have. And it's very unfortunate. And, and people kind of would maybe feel sorry for me. Also, I don't, it's not about that it's it's a product of how i've lived over the course of my life and it's not just the running career it's prior to that as well and i've always put a lot of pressure on myself physically and you know everyone's had their have has got baggage and emotional trauma as well is a big issue and that does not help if you're trying to recover you can't recover if you're under pressure emotionally so that's an important area as well it's not just about training and you don't need to motivate people to go and train you literally need to motivate people to stop recover make sure they're doing everything else yeah
0: um
1: but it's the structure of the training that's important and people then using coaches and 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 people to help them with that structure is super important but it's just there's other areas of importance as well like strength for example which is hopefully what i will be able to help people with
0: Yeah. And that that merges on nicely because there's a real sense in you as well that, you know, you've had a good career in running so far. You'd still like more. I know that. And, and, you know, you're running a few times a week and you're running short and you're running easy. But, you know, that's part of a progression towards longer term goals that you're still well capable of of doing. And we've seen it before. People disappear for a little period of time while they're getting recovered from injury. But they learn, they get stronger, they get better, their motivation grows, doesn't weaken over time. And they come back and was like, wow, what a comeback. And there's every yeah. chance that, that you were going to fall into that bracket, I think. But it's not just about that now, is it? It's about also using what you've learned to help others. And that's why we yeah. are now working yeah.
1: together. Yeah, and I just, I, I feel like it would be a, it's such, and I'm not, it's not in a big headed way, but there's information that I can help people with, and it would be wasted as well. I feel like it would be beneficial to, for people not to go down those pathways. And if that can be helped somehow, I'm, I'm super pumped to yeah. to put that information out there. You know, it's not private information. it's It needs to be general knowledge. <laughs> yeah,
0: least... And
1: when, when people are injured and they're like, a, you don't hear about them, they don't just sat at home doing nothing. But like they're passionate, like me, they might be, what's the word, offline for a bit, but know that they are putting absolutely everything in it, everything, but they're putting more into it, they're learning more. So just be aware of them coming back and biting the ass if you think they're done.
0: Yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, that's one of the things I've definitely learned as my time as a coach is to never. Underestimate people's potential and never rule people no, in, yeah, in or definitely. out of anything. You never know what people are capable of based on yeah. what they've been through, the way they change over time. And even in the time I've known you, you've changed considerably, and there's circumstances to that. And um, the changed. Pandemic, you've, well, in a, <laughs> yeah, you've, you've changed, but in a really positive way, right? Because it was difficult. You've coped yeah. with a lot of difficulty and you, you've moved on in a, in a much better place. And to be in the position where you are now, ready to help others and to share some of what you've learned I think is a really fantastic place to be and people do need it particularly and I don't wish to get into a gender equality issue here but women do particularly need help because it is so difficult for them relatively so it's one of those really difficult conversations that we have to have and as a male coach it's it's tricky but I, I mean I have to speak to women about their bodies and how they're functioning, not obviously the, the physiology necessarily, and all the way they're moving. It's more about the hormonal cycles, the menstrual cycles, red S, all those things that you you can't, we've touched on today, they're difficult for women. And they are things that make running much harder for women than it is for men. And you know, leading into bone density, which is a, f- a function of the hormonal cycle and the changes in the hormone balances throughout the course of a single month, let alone over a lifetime, You know, those things are making it harder. And so for people to talk about that and share that and, you know, learn from one another, I think is really, really valuable.
1: Yeah. I mean, obviously with it, it's hormone related, but I mean, it affects guys a lot as well. And, and I think it goes, it goes under the radar probably easier. Um, But with regards to runners and kind of bone turnover and, and things like that, we tend to be wired. Like we want to do stuff all the time the bone turnover is just super quick and it's not always a good thing you need that rest and recovery and that will help and the energy and energy in versus energy out and it affects us all but certainly um kind of low energy disorders and things like that and lower bone density as we as we get older as a as a female it's more important to not more important not rub anyone up the wrong way but there's there's a, a bit more of a heftier problem there because our bone density does deteriorate as we get older because yeah. we of our estrogen levels dropping. That.
0: Yeah, I I I I think yeah. it is harder, and I think it is worth calling out as being harder. I mean, it is it is tricky. The whole disparities between genders and disparities between ages is an is a difficult subject to broach because you're always likely to offend somebody. But there are some hard truths and some realities out there that that we need to confront as an individual. Otherwise, if you don't, if you just bury your head in the sand and think that you are as capable as doing something as xyz person uh you'll never learn and develop because you'll you'll break one way or another and i think it's really important to recognize how different you are as an individual from xyz person so that you can optimize your own potential
1: yeah i think definitely considering yourself and every factor that is involved in your being whether that's whether you're full-time working or a professional athlete and all the other factors that go within that and you want to race and you want to reach your, your potential. Yeah, you have you have to consider yourself as an individual and not necessarily look around you and see what everyone else is doing. And it's, it is important. You have to think what's going to work for you. What's, what's the best options? Yeah, and hopefully I can help facilitate something there, give some help.
0: 100% you can. Because the interesting thing that I find is that people generally, and women are not exceptions in this, don't understand what's going on in their bodies anywhere near to the level that you you would imagine that they do and perhaps you think about it more than I do probably I think about it a lot and I certainly think about it more than people that I coach they probably think about it a bit more than the lay person on the street but the, the you know the level of knowledge sort of deteriorates the further away you go from the passion that you've got down to people who, who, who are busy thinking about other stuff all day but the impact of it is just the same you know whether you're a And one hour, ten k runner or a thirty minute ten k runner, you are going to get yourself into trouble if you do the wrong things. So understanding more about how those things work, I think, is really important.
1: Yeah, that's why. Like, I like explaining things to people, and certainly when it comes to personal training, or you can approach it in different ways. You might not explain things; you might just tell someone to do something and hope they're fine with that. But I'm, I am an explainer. I like people to know and understand because I think you remember it better for a start you'll understand the benefit you'll understand what you're doing and it's easier for you to then be motivated to do it and there's always a purpose if there isn't if you're doing something you don't know what the purpose is it's very it's harder to to keep doing that thing hmm. so trying to relate it to to something relate it to your running relate it to a certain part of the run cycle it's easier for you to go in the gym and then do that exercise you know and it's the same about food and teaching people basic parts about nutrition and understanding what a macronutrient, what, what's that, what's in that. And it's fairly shocking how many people don't have some, some awareness of that as a runner when that's actually quite an important area. So I'm happy to help with that because I just think it would only benefit you. It's not, it's not going to hinder you at all. Knowledge is key
0: knowledge is power knowledge is power there you go look at that knowledge is power who said knowledge is power someone famous one day well that's really good thank you tish I think it was me It was you yeah I was me. joking
1: it wasn't
0: me <laughs> <laughs> it might as well be you <laughs> I mean I said it then <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah you just came up with it on the spot knowledge is power
1: yeah yeah it wasn't a quote
0: Not <laughs> <laughs> well, even if it was a quote it's like all the, all these quotes and sayings and from the past like well none of them are original you know we're, we're all people we've all experienced <laughs> these things but they've, some people just got a good way with words and some people say them at the right times but anyway we're going off on a on a vague tangent okay. but that that was really great I was really <laughs> for me really useful to get your perspectives on a few things that I think are important not least of all yourself and your own position in the world but also in training you're in Cape Town now where you've been since have you how long have you been in Cape Town?
1: Since, well in general like this time around this time I've been around. here since October but I've been in and out
0: for six years yeah um which so is this I, is my home yeah I, actually, I think I described it as your spiritual home in a in the newsletter because yeah it, yeah it, it's actually strongly feels like that because it feels like that's where you're literally where your spirit is because you come alive when you're there whereas in as it is today here rainy cold miserable in, br- Fel- br- in, <laughs> in <Feltham>. <laughs> <laughs> yeah you're not quite as alive as you are when you're in Cape Town which I think is, you know, is interesting in itself. But we'll save that conversation for, for another day. But you're in Cape Town, you're enjoying life, you're getting back into your training, you're getting back into a more rounded life an active life, and you're coming alive and you're ready to support some people in what they're trying to do as well.
1: I sure
0: am. Amazing. Well, thank you. We will definitely chat again on the podcast so that you can we can get into some of these deeper issues because I think there's some very interesting things that you you've got in your knowledge locker, um, your powerful knowledge locker that you can share with others. But Obviously we're looking forward to you joining the team, working with some of our athletes to try and help them with whatever they're trying to achieve. And to people out there who've listened to this, if you've got this far through the, through the recording, I never know how, for how long people listen to it for. they get bored after 10 <laughs> minutes and switch it off. So if you've made it this far and are Just interested- They're on a run. Yeah, exactly, yeah. Well, they could be, yeah. Or they finished their run ages ago. <laughs> We've been going on for so long, but if you want to get in touch and have a conversation with Tish about what you're doing, then then reach out, and let us know what what you're yeah, looking for, do. and we'll go from there. But thank you, Tish. We'll leave it there, and uh, we'll speak to you again very soon. So there we go. That's Tish, and as I think you can detect from that conversation, there is so much depth there so much learning from her so much that we can learn from her and so much opportunity for her in the future i think to use what she's learned about herself her body and how she operates in the future i think she can really kick on once she gets herself fully healthy which i think is going to be really interesting to watch and i think there's also opportunity for anyone who wants to work with her Clearly there's a lot of richness to her that I think can really make a difference to some other people and she's keen to do that as well. She wants to help, she wants to support, she believes in teamwork. So that's great. We will hear from more from Tish in the future. We'll get her back on the podcast and we'll interrogate some more of those issues in a bit more depth in the future. And I will be back soon with more of these niche and rustic podcasts. Perhaps with a recovery ramble. I've got one lined up about labels, and that's not fashion labels. Or perhaps a workout, we'll see how the next week or so unfolds. But in the meantime, I hope you enjoyed this edition if you've got this far. And I hope you look after yourself. And I'll look forward to speaking to you again soon. Take care. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello?